for those that uh, don't know me, I am the eldest elder Ed. Okay, that will be easy to, to remember. And again, as I say every time I have the opportunity to be here, it's a big privilege and a big responsibility to be bringing the word. So I ask that you guys please be praying that God's name will be glorified and that the Holy Spirit will be present here bringing his word to, to us. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you for your presence in a, in a manner that we may feel it, that we may hear your voice, that we may understand your voice this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in a four-part series about Jesus' great commission. Pastor Chris started that two Sundays ago, uh, and we are on the uh, third part of it now. It will end next Sunday. And it's based on Jesus' final words as recorded by Matthew. So if you would look at, you don't need to look for it, it's just two, three verses. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Again, first Sunday, Pastor Chris talked about the making disciples part, the evangelism part, which is connected to discipling, but a slightly different twist to it. The second Sunday, he talked about baptism, as Jesus said, go baptizing them. And today we're going to cover the third part when Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, I loved when uh, Pastor Chris said, it's not Jesus' great suggestion. It's his great commandment. I was talking to to Don Batek a little bit before the service started. He was in military and I said, uh, when you're, you were given a mission by your command, I don't think he would say, well, let me think about it. I don't know, I don't think I feel like doing that today. You would follow that, right? I mean, that's your, uh, your mission. And I, I want us to be thinking in that uh, direction. Another point in my pre-introduction here is, uh, when Jesus was saying these words, he was saying to his disciples, to his followers. And as you read the Gospels, it's very interesting to always watch what uh, Jesus is saying. Who is the target people to whom he is talking about? Because his speech is very different to the different groups. I'll give you an example that's probably the one that strikes me the strongest. When Jesus was talking to the crowd, he said, love your neighbor like you love yourselves, right? You guys remember that? It's a pretty tall bar because we kind of like ourselves quite a bit. So he's saying, treat others that way, love them that same way. But when he was talking to the disciples, he said, love each other like I have loved you. That's a tall bar. Okay, he died for us. So you notice the difference of his speech to the general crowd and his speech specifically to the disciples. So today, the text we are gonna be looking at, it's basically for disciples, for those that are followers of Jesus. So if you are, this 
commission is for you this morning. Now, as you guys know me for already, I like to, to bring some stories or some things like that. And one that came to my mind is from 50 years ago, when I was in fourth grade, I had a phenomenal teacher, Mr. Ivan. I still remember a lot of things that he taught us, uh, actually became a rolling joke at, at, at home, because I would mention him so many times that my kids would joke about it. Oh, did Mr. Ivan talk about this as well? And I would say, oh yeah, indeed he did, that he explained this. So many things. I mean, we were this, about maybe 40 boys, an all boys room. He was the first male teacher that I, that I had. He was just phenomenal. And one of the things, I'll give an example here. He taught us to think. Uh, so, for example, a very simple question. What are the two consecutive months of the year that have 31 days. If you thought July and August, you got a five. December and January are consecutive months and they also have 31 days. You may not think immediately about it because you kind of, in your mind, you picture the calendar, you say, well, yeah, July and August. So he was trying always to make us think. He divided the, the class, each row was a team, and everything we did in class would count points, positive or negative, for our team. Everything was going like that, so he helped us think of teamwork. And he, as much as possible, he would try to make real examples of the lessons instead of just be like, Wah, 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 like a Charlie Brown's teacher uh, type thing. One of them that I remember, he brought the model of uh, a, an open cube. And I did one yesterday, and I still don't know how I did when I was 10, because it, I kind of had a hard time doing it. I ended up, uh, I tried uh, Elmer's glue. It, I was holding there, but I said, no, this is going to take too long. I tried Gorilla Glue, and it didn't work very well, so I put tape. But uh, anyhow, here's my cube, similar to the one that I did when I was in fourth grade. And it's 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters. So a cubic decimeter. You non-metric people, decimeter is the same as 10 centimeters, okay? So we made that. I don't know how many hours it took us to, each one of us made a cube like that. Then we went to the, to the playground, to the school playground, and he said, fill that thing with sand. So we were all there filling with sand. Then he brought a one liter bottle, and he had a funnel. So I, I'm gonna do backwards because I tried to do in that direction and the funnel was clogging. He, well, we went from this to this, but same thing, right? <laughs> one cubic decimeter is exactly one liter. That's why one cubic centimeter is a milliliter for the medical people that are injecting and things like that. I never forgot that because we did. I mean, again, we took maybe one hour to build the, the cube, then we went to the playground, then we filled. It's there forever for us to remember. I, I thought about doing it with water, because then I could show that a, one liter of water is about one kilo, 
but I think my paper cube would not like that. So I said, okay, I'll just explain that. So uh, anyhow, we were his disciples. I mean, that poet society had nothing on us, okay? I mean, if you guys have seen that movie, we beat them by our fourth grade uh, teacher, Mr. Ivan. So there are many places in the Bible where discipling is, talking, uh, is discussed, obviously. Jesus, through his three years of ministry, a big part of what he was doing was discipling his disciples, right? I mean, that was something that he was doing all the time. For our uh, passage this morning, uh, we're going to use Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And that one I would ask you if you guys would open your Bibles, your app in your phone. We use the ESV, the English Standard Version, so it will be a little easier to, to follow. We have some extra Bibles in the back. Sarah can bring one if you raise your hand. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It goes like this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Ephesians, where we are taking this passage, is a very structured book. I mentioned that before, but I want to use that to show what, what leads to this passage. In Ephesians, there are two halves. Part one, chapters one, two, three. Part two, chapters four, five, six. Chap the first three chapters are focused in doctrine. I would subtitle it, The Position of the, Christ, of the Christian. So where we are in our relationship with God being Christians. So chapter one says, we are chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Chapter two has probably the clearest statement about unmerited salvation, right? Ephesians 2, eight through 10, probably you guys know that uh, by heart. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one, can, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in these first three chapters, Paul is providing the whole foundation to what he will be talking uh, afterwards. So clearly, Sin separates us from God, and there's no way we can cover that. He cannot accept sin in his holy presence. So God sent Jesus to live here a perfect life, 
to die for our sins, to pay the price and make it possible for us to have a relationship with God. We say every Sunday that we have peace with God. Well, that peace was only possible because our debt was paid. We were separated from, from him. Now, that said, if you are a follower, if you have peace of God, there are some things that are expected from you as a Christian. And that's basically what chapter 4 through 6 of Ephesians will be covering. It's kind of the application of the doctrine that Paul explained on the first three chapters. And I call that second portion the practice of the Christian. So the position of the Christian. We know who we are. We know the relationship we have. Well, as a consequence, here's what we expect to do. Not the opposite, okay? Never the opposite. We are not working to merit the relationship with God. We have a relationship with God. That's why we're expected to do some things. Let's make sure that that is kept uh, pretty clear in our minds. Uh, reinforcement to this separation of these uh, chapters. Chapter one, two, th and three have, has, have one imperative, four through six, 40. So it's definitely the application part of the book, okay? So that's where we are. So now I'm gonna zoom in chapter four. That is where our passage is. But I'm not going to the passage yet. I'm looking at the top of the chapter first. And Paul starts with therefore. So obviously, in the English language or any of the other languages, I think. Therefore, will mean that, well, because of what you just heard, because of what I taught you in these first three chapters, because of that doctrine, here's now when he is starting to talk about the practice of the Christian. And he immediately is talking about walking worthy of our calling. Okay, you were called. You are a follower of Jesus. There are expectations that come from it. You are expected to live a life worthy of that calling and should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Pastor Chris has insisted quite a bit in several of his sermons about the unity. I mean, in general as the, the church of Christ, but obviously locally as our uh, community here, the importance of that. Well. I talk so much that by now you forgot what's in the text, so we're gonna read it again. So, because now I finally arrived on chapters, or chapter four, verses 11 through 16. Reading again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love okay so worthy living unity of the spirit now we're going to go through this verse kind of one by one like 
the way we like here at Oaks, like expository and go through the details. Verse 11, he starts saying, he gave. Well, he who? Jesus, obviously. It's who he's talking about in the previous verse. He gave. It's clear that this that he will be talking about has been provided. It's part of God's plan for the function of his body, the church. Okay, so very clear in the, in the beginning there. Then he lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Some translations say pastor teachers, uh, but regardless, we could have a separate Bible study about apostles and prophets and uh, their uniqueness. We're going to leave that aside because I don't think there would be any problem for us to understand the, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Okay, evangelism, Chris presented two Sundays ago. So we're basically zooming, zooming, zooming down. Now we're talking about shepherds and teachers, and that's what we are going to be looking at. Now, you may think, okay, yeah, Chris, Seth, myself, we are elders here, so yeah, we are teachers. Well, are you a community group leader? Yes, you are, you are a teacher, a discipler, a shepherd as well. Are you a children's teacher? Yeah, it will be the same. Are you a parent or a grandparent with the kids around? That's your uh, discipling uh, opportunity right there. Are you mentoring someone? Formally or informally, that's a discipling uh, opportunity. Are you an influencer? Not talking Kardashian style, okay? Just something you have an influence in somebody's life. You are together with this person. You may be sharing prayer requests. You may be recommending a book that you, you, you read and you liked it. You may be communicating with the person in, in social media. Are you teaching by example? Are people looking at your life and seeing somebody that's serving others? These are all teaching, shepherding, discipling opportunities. By the way, I'm using those words a little inter interconnected here. Now, if you didn't find yourself in any of those in the list that I mentioned, uh, maybe you probably should. So maybe it's time for you to start looking at an opportunity to be shepherding, to be discipling, to be, uh, to be teaching. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there are opportunities because that is how, that's the plan for the living worthy of the calling that we have received. Now, if you're saying, well, but I may not be qualified. If you read in Acts, the last words of Jesus, uh, it's recorded in a slightly different way than what Matt, Matthew recorded. And Jesus said to the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. So obviously, when I'm challenging you guys to disciple, to teach, to shepherd, I'm talking about under the power of the Holy Spirit. Trying to do outside of that would be crazy, would not go well. So that's, uh, again, the qualifier of what we are talking about today. Verse 12, uh, Paul brings some short-term objectives for teaching, things that happen immediately. He says, to equip the saints in the work of ministry. Well, we as disciples are commissioned to equip the saints for work of ministry. Well, why is he saying that? The continuation of the sentence says that. For building up the body of Christ. Okay, so we're, we're bodybuilders. I mean, we're like uh, the, the coaches at uh, Planet Fitness. Okay, we're helping people get 
build their body. <laughs> I think I, I may need to stop by myself there. But uh, anyhow, that what he's talking about, that by working together with each other, we're going to be building up the body of Christ, the church. Okay? Then verse 13, he starts looking a little further down, a little more like a long-term objectives, the ultimate goals, because he says, until we attain to the unity of the faith, it's a continuous effort for us as a group to pursue unity. Obviously, we're going to be attaining to achieve unity on the essential topics. I mean, we are individuals, and we're never going to cut that individuality for the items that are okay to be some diversity among us. And then it says, and the knowledge of the Son of God. If you guys read, and we're going to be going to the Old Testament, but uh, we're going to Genesis. If you would be looking at in Exodus, it's impressive to see Moses' desire to know God. There are many places where he's talking about that. So that hit me uh, a few years ago when I wrote kind of a mission statement like companies have, whatever. I wrote one for myself and I put it this way. To know and glorify God in a contagious way. And it starts by knowing God, glorifying him, and in a way that, Hopefully, other people would say, that seems interesting. I, I'm curious about what you are, uh, you are doing there. And then Paul continues, to mature manhood, uh, womanhood as well, okay? That's, that's okay. Don't, it's not, uh, Paul's not being sexist here. It's just a generic uh, term there. So the teaching process, the discipling process, the shepherding process brings maturity. Now the next one to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a mouthful. But that's also like my my sons would say. Right? It's mind-blowing. I mean, is he really telling us that we should be working towards the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Yes. In another letter, he says, pressing on towards that goal. It's like the North Star. It's the direction we are, we are going uh, in, in our life. And that has to be facilitated by this discipling activity that we should be having uh, among ourselves. In verse 14, he further supports the expected results of that process. Uh, he says, so that we may no longer be children, tossed, to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. One thing that we are always extremely careful is to stick to what the word says. I mean, uh, it's extremely dangerous to start creating new winds of doctrine that that could be uh, incorrect. Verse 15 and 16, he goes back to the concept of the church being a body and Christ being the head, where he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, we went through the, the, the verses. Let's distill the 
direct application right now. So what is discipling? It's teaching one another, shepherding one another, mentoring one another, having a positive influence in each other's life, speaking truth with love among ourselves. That's how we mature, that's how we grow. Okay, not always super easy, but important. Who is responsible for discipling? Who was Jesus asking that they should teach them to obey? Well, disciples are. That's why the title, if you see in your bulletin, I said, Disciples Discipling. I could even say, Disciples Discipling, discipling Disciples. Right? I mean, that's the concept. And actually, I think the, the discipleship process is complete when the disciple is ready to disciple somebody else. Right? That's, that's how the growth of the church happens. So followers of Christ are responsible for discipling. We, the church, are responsible for it. Disciples, discipling. How should we go about it? Well, in the great commandment we read, teaching them to obey his commandments. Mentoring those near you. Supporting one another. Sharing our experience. I mean, the, the community groups, our CGs, are tremendous ground for that. I mean, we, we have young people, old people, new people to the faith, and we are there sharing experience, struggles, and that's, that's growth that's happening uh, out of that process. Um, what is the end result of discipling? I mean, Paul made it very clear. You will grow, you have personal growth, we will grow, the growth of the body of Christ, we'll have more unit, we'll be more mature, and again, we'll be pursuing the measure of the stature of the fullness in Christ. If you are already there, you're wasting your time, I'm talking to you, and if you say, but I'm already there, I'm already at the fullness of the stature of Christ. Sorry, I just wasted your time with all these words. If you're not, I hope you have been uh, paying attention because then this is for you, it is for me. So, what do you think? Does it seem worth it? Are you in? I'm gonna make one more little story here. Uh, I was uh, reading a book of a Brazilian philosopher. Yes, there is a, such a thing as a Brazilian philosopher, okay? His name is Mario Sergio Cortella. Phenomenal guy. Unfortunately, it will be hard for you guys to watch his videos because he doesn't speak them in English very often. So. But he he's made a statement, which actually he may be quoting another philosopher, but it's good anyhow. He says, teach what you know, practice what you teach, Ask what you don't know. Okay, very simple. Teach what you know, practice what you teach, ask what you don't know. That's how you create growth. In a community, even more, right? I mean, we're teaching each other what we know that may be different from what they know. Obviously, we can't be hypocritical. If we are teaching something and our life doesn't reflect that, that, that doesn't work. So practice what you teach. And we don't know everything, so good opportunity to be asking each other. Actually, uh, Chris and Seth have been uh, leading the equip meetings for the, the community leaders, and uh, the strategy there is let's simulate questions that the people may be asking in the community groups and debate among ourselves the, the, the correct answer for, uh, for those. So, you should always be teaching, discipling, 
shepherding, mentoring. And it's a big responsibility. Yesterday I got a, a, a video on my phone of a, look, it seemed to be a high school from the age of the, of the kid, and this kid stands up in the class and he starts moving towards the front and towards the door I shared with uh, Liz and, and Shelby. And this kid is saying, enough is enough. Actually, as there, the, some, another student with a phone is following him, you can see the teacher at her desk on her phone. And this student says, enough is enough. You are being irresponsible. You are wasting our time here. You are responsible for our future for what we are supposed to learn here. And you are not putting the effort. You're not trying to reach our hearts. You're not trying to reach the, the kids. Maybe for you it's a paycheck. For me it's my future, the kid said. And he walks out of the class. Can you imagine somebody that you can reach, that you have influence in your life, saying, why are you being lazy? Why are you not teaching me? Why are you not mentoring me? It's your job, it's your commission. So like the lazy teacher in that video, we can be doing that uh, in many cases. So please, let's take this seriously. It's a commission. It's necessary for our growth as a group. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, for your word, that uh, we have the freedom to be reading it, to be exploring it, to be debating about it, Lord. We want to ask you that you empower us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be faithful in following the commandment you've given us to be discipling each other, to be shepherding each other, to be teaching each other name. Not for our own gain, but for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.